Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Remember, if you knew what I knew, then you'd know what I know, and I wouldn't have to tell you what I know. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is April, spring has sprung, the flowers are out, and weather's getting nicer. All right. Uh, On uh, this week's show, uh, Pipe Parts, I'm going to be doing a review of Savinelli's Dublone de Oro Pipe Tobacco. And then my guest all the way from Croatia is pipe maker Daniel Mustron. Uh, music mailbag and rant. A loaded rant. All that coming up on uh, this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to enjoy this fine show. And if you're not, turn it off. Okay. And uh, we would really appreciate any ratings or reviews uh, on iTunes. Haven't had one in a while. Those uh, are great. Greatly help the show. And uh, please share the Pipes Magazine radio show on social media or uh, on the uh, bathroom wall, you know, wherever. Just uh, help spread the news. And uh, make sure all your friends and family know about the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, it is spring, and uh, you know it's time to start changing up on on the uh, tobaccos as the weather warms up. Uh, speaking of tobaccos and pipes, the JDRF auctions uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, so keep your eye on uh, Steve Fallon's uh, pipe stud on eBay and his pipestud.com website. We got a lot of good stuff. I think there's 10 or 11 pipes, including one uh, commission pipe from one of the artisans. So you'll have to check that out. And uh, 30 different tins of tobacco. So all that going to benefit JDRF. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll also have, if you'd like, a, a direct cash donation link that we will be putting up. So we greatly appreciate everything that you guys have done over the past five, six years. This is the only time when I actually ask you for uh, direct contributions, so I appreciate it. And remember, every penny raised, every penny goes directly to the JDRF to help treat and find a cure for type 1 diabetes. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tobacco review time for Savinelli de Blone de Oro. D-O-B-L-O-N-E de D apostrophe O-R-O. Um, Italian or Spanish for gold doubloons uh, or gold coins. And uh, it, it, this, is, this is one of those interesting ones because, first of all, It only comes in a 100-gram can. So for a lot of us, that 100-gram tin is going to be a little bit of a barrier to entry. So yeah, I I hope this review will uh, help settle that. Uh, The description on the tin says, The choicest Virginias, Burleys, and dark-fired Kenyan leaf are enhanced with an impeccable addition of spicy perique then aged to perfection before being spun into enticingly beautiful zesty coins. Savinelli's Dablone de Oro is a delightfully vivacious and flavorful smoke. Uh, I also believe that this is unique and that it's only available in the U.S. Uh, And on TobaccoReviews.com, most of the ratings had it on the uh, 
uh, on the more medium, on the strong side of medium, but not not overpowering, um, but the medium to medium full, you know, kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, medium well done. Uh, when you open it, it's got the traditional uh, the traditional coffee uh, coffee filter liner and one round uh, one round disc to hold it down. And inside of it is predominantly it's predominantly coins. Now there are some broken pieces, uh, but it is predominantly coins. So you're going to want to have to manipulate it depending on how you like it. Rubbed it, you know, rub it out or clump it or do whatever. I did it uh, two different ways. One, I just grabbed and pushed and stuffed. And the other one, I rubbed it out. Uh, before we get into the smoking of it, I took notice right away of how dry it was. It was it's not a very moist blend. Uh, it's almost bordering on too dry. So it lights real easily and gets going real easily. So I will caution you because it is a 100 gram round can. Uh, you may want to uh, put it in a Ziploc bag or something like that because if it dries out much further, it's not going to be much good to smoke. And 100 grams is a lot of tobacco to get through. Um, 100 grams for me smoking five, six bowls a day. That's, that's a full week right there. Uh, so just a word of caution on that. Um, the difference between rubbing it out and clumping it, well, uh, not really that much in taste. I was really surprised. The taste stayed consistent between the two. The difference was I had to be careful that I didn't get the, uh, get the bowl jammed up if I, had, you know, if I did the clumping. Uh, but because of the moisture level of it, it burned really easily. Uh, flavorings, yeah, you can uh, you can detect the Virginias, you can detect the the uh, the dark fired tobaccos in there, and you get a little bit of a background from the Perique. Uh, it's an interesting, full flavored, uh, very kind of a, a very kind of a smoky essence to it. It seems to be uh, yeah, it seems to be smokier than other blends, and that could be because of the moisture content again. Uh, but after at the end of each bowl, I was satisfied. And at the end of each bowl, it didn't leave a real, you know, didn't leave any kind of aftertaste, which I thought was kind of pleasant. Now it is in my wheelhouse of Virginia Periques, uh, and I do like, yeah, I like the occasional dark-fired tobaccos. Uh, I thought the Virginias in this might have been the weakest part of the blend, but that was just me. Uh, going to tobacco reviews, I'm scrolling down to try to find Darth's review. Here it is. Darth was the uh, the the most critical of it, and he's and he wrote, uh, "This is one of those blends that turns out quite different than anticipated blends on its description." With a name like Gold Coins, I was expecting more of a Virginia-based twist, and in fact, the Virginia turns out to be a minor player that is moderately cased sweeter. These spun disc coins have a Dutch character where a touch of the dark fired leaf adds an underlying note of smokiness. My first impression was how reminiscent it was to a cigar maybe from Honduras. After being open for a while more, the burly dominates the blend and smokes more like a drier Dutch Cavendish. I never seem to get a strong hint of uh, a strong hit of Perique despite adding some fruitiness to the tin aroma. It must be blended in small amounts, very uniformly. Despite the listed ingredients, it's not very high in nicotine, below medium. Uh, this blend is sort of between the current Three Nuns and Amphora Brown. If you like Amphora or any other natural Dutch Cavendish and want something more bold, give this a try. Burley Flake fanciers of the likes of Solani, Wessex, and the Long Gone Edgeworth slices may well appreciate this blend also. If the burley is a little too gritty for someone's preferences, which dominates the blend, then Three Nuns is, a, is the far more smoother alternative. Not great, but I think it could have been composed better. So that was Darth on the critical side. And then on the, uh, on the positive side, uh, four stars from Stevie B. And he said, I got this on a recent trade uh, in the tin the blend looks a lot more reminiscent of McBaron's roll cake rather than one of the formed roll cakes 
such as Dunhill Deluxe Navy Rolls or Escudo Navy Deluxe, as well as some coins. The tin includes ribbons, and so it doesn't require lots of time to fill a bowl. To me, the smoke has a fairly full flavor. There's a sharp, lively Perique, Nutty Burley, and a touch of mild Virginia. But it's the Kentucky that elevates the flavor. As the bowl burns, there's an amelioration of the Kentucky, and this develops the smoke, and as this develops, the smoke becomes fuller. And then he goes on to say that, uh, you know, that, that he got a good nicotine hit out of it, and he's uh, loving this as a morning smoke, you know, uh, and uh, smoked it in a Meerschaum and even liked it better. So there's a couple of different options for you. Savinelli's de Blone de Oro. Uh, again, in a 100-gram tin, so, uh, you know, make sure you're going to love it when you get it. And uh, try it, you know, try it out. Uh, may not be the perfect summertime evening blend for me, but it could be an alternative all-day blend. All right, in just a minute, Daniel Moustron. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from Eastern Europe. In fact, right near where a lot of the, uh, a lot of the famous tobaccos are grown. But I guess that's, uh, that, that would be south of you, but... Uh, from Croatia, pipe maker Daniel Mustron. Daniel, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah, pretty much okay. Good. Better than I'm used to. <laughs> well, yeah. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Good. I'm. I'm excited because I don't think we've had anybody from Croatia, but you've got quite a family history. So, uh, tell us where where were you born? Where's your family from? And and. Uh, and how did you get to Croatia? Yeah, well, um, back at the days when I was born, um, a lot of people were moving from former Yugoslavia to Germany, mostly. And that's what my parents did, too. They went to Germany, they uh, found a job over there, and they were working. And, uh, yeah, I got born. So they were over there. And my grandparents were here, back in Yugoslavia, former one. So... They were like, okay, you should better come back because the child would not have his grandparents and stuff like that. So my parents finally decided, even if they had a good life over there, they decided to come back and uh, make a house and make a living here. So, yeah, that's, that's how pretty much uh, happened, you know. They went to Germany, was living there for a few years, and then they come, come back. Now, I'm not sure. I don't think I know how old you are, but would that have been East Germany that they lived in or West Germany? No, it was a little bit south of Munich. Uh, so it was a West Germany. Okay. So at was, that time. So it was that you were able to at least travel outside the <laughs> outside the Iron Curtain, as we called it. Yeah, Yugoslavia at that time, it was not that strict. You know, you could travel, especially if you had family and everything. It, it was not a problem. And then where you, where you live now is the very eastern part of Croatia, so kind of inland. Exactly. In, in exactly. What, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Croatia is um, looking like a horseshoe. So uh, when you look at the map, you, you will see the, the very eastern part of the Croatia that is uh, far away from the coastline. Well, far away. Croatia is small, you know. You have five <laughs> hours of driving to, to reach the coastline. So it's not that far away. And it's just a, a small kind of mountainous town with a river running through it and looks very, Actually, very pretty. 
Um, actually, you don't have many mountains around. It's uh, mostly where you grew crops, tobaccos okay. and stuff like that. Um, formerly here, it was a Pannonian Sea. So when that got away, you were left with, with you know, like a flatland. Huh. Yeah. Just a, a, I mean, a fascinating part of the world. And before we started recording, we talked about how many times in modern history that that part of the, that part of Europe has changed hands. And you had the, you know, the Romans, yeah. then the Turks, and then the Austrians. And <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a crazy time. Yeah. That, that's pretty much why Croatia is looking like this, like a horseshoe, because Turkish Empire was, as I said, pu they were pushing from south and Austrians were pushing from, from north and Hungarians and everything. So even Osijek, it changed hands several times. So in Osijek, you have a really big fortress that's uh, there. Even today, it's it's really nice uh, part of the city. I really like you have over there coffee bars and everything. So you can just sit and relax. But uh, yeah, the fortress was big, <laughs> and for a reason. Yeah, yeah. So just, just amazing. Um, so, uh, what did you what did you go to school for? Uh, I'm electronic engineer uh, by by school. Yeah, and um, and now at my primary job i'm also doing stuff related to electronics i have two jobs as you know one is uh, the the primary job uh, it's um, maintaining the power stations that deliver the electricity to homes and the second one and yeah my love where i <laughs> put my mind at ease so to say it yeah it's pipe making so yeah i have two jobs now what uh, what made you start smoking a pipe or got you into pipe making? Oh, <laughs> that, that's a, that's yeah, that's an interesting story. Well, uh, I have to say first that my complete family is completely non-smoking, so they <laughs> do not smoke. Actually, they did not smoke. They do smoke now, <laughs> pipes. Yeah, um, when I was little, you know, like maybe five years or so. Um, we had a tradition in my family during winter where you had uh, family gatherings. Uh, you take few pigs and make sausages and bacon and everything. You know how they did it back the, back at the time, at the days. And uh, helping around, there was always a guy that was uh, smoking a pipe. He was, I don't know his name, let's say he was Johnny. And he was known as a Johnny the pipe smoker. So that was my first encounter with with a pipe you know and he was always giving us uh, fresh bowls of meat that you put uh, on the inner side of the door of the furnace where you cook uh, everything so you burn actually that piece of meat on on a on a door on the inner side of the door i don't i was always amazed how that thing is sticking on that door but it did <laughs> Anyway, he was good to us, and I remember that pipe clear as a day. It was some kind of billiard, of course. And uh, that was my fir first, actually, encounter with the pipe. And for a long time, nothing happened. Then, at my college days, uh, I remember there was a teacher uh, that was smoking a pipe, and at that time, you could still smoke a pipe in a classroom. Yeah. So... During the breaks uh, from one teaching hour uh, and before the next one, he was going on his, his cathedral up and down and he was smoking a pipe. And it was actually not a, a classroom. It was a bigger one, like a, a hole uh -huh. for three or four hundred students. And the whole room was filled with that sand. And it, it was insane. That, that was the second time. And the third time after I finished school, and college and everything, I was um, involved something like maybe 15 years in audio electronics. I'm totally crazy about it. Uh, I'm about uh, tube electronics and 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 uh, high quality audio stuff. Oh, wow. I was there and I wanted to to open a small workshop making crazy stuff. And I have had everything prepared to do that. But yeah, th th that's. That's another story for, for a beer and a pipe, but <laughs> let, let's go back to the to the to the to the thematic. Um, 
Yeah, uh, that guy, uh, I remember he was uh, making loudspeakers in Zagreb. He, I, I think he is still making them. Uh, he was a passionate smoker and he was smoking a pipe. And whenever you entered the coffee bar where we wanted to meet him or something, uh, you knew that he was inside. Because the moment you opened the door, you were like uh, feeling the scent of cherries. And you knew <laughs> he's there, you know. And yeah. th- that that's kind of crazy, you know. But... The thing is, um, my family was not non-smoking, and I'm completely against smoking cigarettes. I, I don't, I really don't like them, you know. And uh, at one period, I was even, you know, arguing with guys that were smoking cigarettes because I didn't want to have that smell inside a room where I'm working or or moving around or something. I don't like it, you know. Yeah. But still, the, 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 the idea of um, a pipe was moving around my head. I, I kept it for a long time at the back of my mind, you know. And uh, at that time, um, I started to stumble on pipes in a newspaper um, where, where you sell newspapers, those um, small newsstand. shops, yep. stuff like that. Yeah, you could find pipes over there. And uh, it was a crazy, you know, I didn't want to spend money buying a pipe uh, because my family is not smoking and um, it was kind of a lot of money, you know, for me. And who am I to play with a pipe? <laughs> so, <laughs> the idea was kind of okay. But still, um, I was in my father's workshop all the time. I was good with wood, I was good with metal and stuff, building things. Um, idea of making a pipe was kind of interesting because my father has a lot of wood in his workshop and I thought, okay, maybe I could use some of it to make a pipe. So I started to read around the, the internet and found the Pipe Makers Forum. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was reading that all the time. And um, also around that time, uh, actually, my cousin from Texas came to visit with his family. And uh, I remember we were, we still have that, uh, um, uh, that thing that you cook uh, something on an open fire using a big pot, you know, with family around. And yep. you cook that thing for two or three hours until it's done. And you talk, drink something, you know, and we were doing that. And... Uh, after a while, of when we were talking, he pulled a pipe from his pocket and started to fill with tobacco. And I was like, ah, where were you? <laughs> you know, it was like that. So I'm, I, I was not a pipe smoker. And, uh, you know, I was interested in it. And uh, actually, uh, my cousin was uh, a guy that actually kick-started it. Because the rest of that day, we were talking like parrots about pipes. And first he told me he will give me one of his. And the idea of getting a pipe that is $300, $400 in worth, it was not something that I could agree on. So he told me he will give me a block, you know, buy me a block so I can make something of it. And it never came to that point because I was too impatient, you know. (laughs) I got myself a piece of cherry wood. At, at that time, I didn't know that uh, this piece of wood was really soft and uh, I was not able to do anything of a use uh, for smoking from it. But still, I, I made something and I had problems with uh, what to use for the stem, you know, because uh, I knew that guys were using ebonite and acrylic and here you cannot find it unless you import it. Yeah. So I was thinking what to do. And then I figured that um, if I use a plastic plastic handle from a steering spoon that you use for cooking, we had some stuff from, <laughs> from one company that is really hard. And um, I can maybe use that because it's plastic, you know. You can, you can make something like a straight uh, pipe fitted uh, like a military mount, something like that. And I bought one, and that's what I did, you know. I made a, a cherry wood pipe from a block. It was looking like a caveman pipe with, with, a, with a plastic handle from a plastic stem from a, from a handle, a steering spoon. 
Yeah, <laughs> it was a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. At that time, I also sold my guitar, and I bought um, several. Uh, actually, I bought um, McBaron plum cake, and I bought. I got um, a sample of uh, McBaron. Um, it. I think it was mixture modern or something like that. And I decided because it's a sample, I didn't want to open the tin right away. I used the sample as as a first tobacco to try in that cherry wood caveman pipe. And let me tell you, I needed about a whole package of matches to smoke through that first bowl. <laughs> the cherry was was too soft. It was burning like crazy. It didn't hold the heat and or anything. Oh my God, I had such a ton bite after it. But then I learned, you know, you need to have a proper wood. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect place. We'll take, we'll, we'll take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Daniel from Croatia. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, pipe maker Daniel Mustron of Croatia. And uh, all right, so Daniel, you made your first pipe from <laughs> from parts out of the kitchen and parts out of the woods. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically. Um, um, when did you when did you finally go and get the proper equipment and and did you, besides the pipe makers forum, when did you get a chance to work with a pipe maker? Yeah, um, well, uh, in Croatia, as you know, there are not too many pipe makers. Um, there are actually maybe four or five. I don't know, maybe four or five of them. But um, as I, I as I said earlier, I sold my uh, my guitar, and uh, I bought uh, from that money. I bought several uh, tins of tobacco and, and stuff that I needed for smoking. But I also bought uh, two pieces of uh, briar, um, one that was pre-drilled and one that was uh, in a block. And um, uh, I bought it from Pimo, by the way. And uh, yeah, I started to work on that uh, on that uh, first pipe. It was a huge piece of plateau. I still have that pipe with me. Uh, the ball was like four or five hours of smoking. That That's how huge the ball is. <laughs> yeah, I needed around two weeks to figure what to do with the block because I didn't want to lose the bark of the plateau. I kind yeah. of liked it. Uh, but the, the pipe was huge. So finally, w during talking on the forums and, and with the guys here in Croatia, uh, on a creation forum that was active that, at that time. Um, we figured that you better make a big one and you can always, you know, send it down to a proper size if you want it. So I made a huge pipe and I, I was smoking it. And um, the, the second pipe that I made from the second block, while I was making it, it was a pipe for my wife. While I was making it, uh, my father was uh, bragging around uh, in his office uh, that I made a pipe and showed pictures to a friend that was working in his office together with him. And the guy was um, an interesting uh, fellow. Um, yeah, he also wanted a pipe, basically, but we agreed that I will make him a pipe for price of a material, you know, <laughs> and a little bit more on top of that just to cover for whatever else I need, like sandpaper and stuff like that. 
And while we were talking about that, the guys in my office heard the talk. And they also <laughs> wanted a pipe, you know, for a price of material. Because if you can give him a, a pipe for a material, we should better get one too, you know. So I had like seven to ten orders, actually. And I barely made one, you know. Uh, and I agreed to that because I got free material to work with, to practice. And I was not playing with the idea of making pipes for a living or something. I, it was just um, a welcomed uh, entertainment for me, you know. <laughs> and um, at that time, um, you know, Facebook did great stuff for me. Um, through Facebook, uh, a gentleman from Italy contacted me. Uh, his name was uh, is actually Enrico Marola. Uh, he's a pipe maker over there. And after he t told me like hello and stuff like that, you 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 tell on a regular you know basis. He uh, he told me you need a, a master pipe maker. And I said yeah okay. I have one that is 300 kilometers away from me. That's the closest <laughs> one. I can talk with him on a cell phone or something. But you know it's not that that he's right around the corner. So we started to talk and he corrected a few of my next designs. And also at that time, a little bit later, Ider Matias, from, uh, a guy from Brazil, mm -hmm. uh, he's living in France, uh, he also um, was talking to me a little bit about design and everything because at that time he was also starting pipe making. He, he was a little bit um, older in that than me. And he agreed that um, he will give me his old Dremel 300 tool to use, a rotary tool. And um, anyway, uh, Enrico uh, decided to, to make a deal with me. And uh, he told me that he will give me 10 pieces of briar and 10 pieces of stem material or finished stems to use uh, for pipes that I have to sold for some profit. Uh, that way I will be able to, you know, keep the rotation. And that actually started the rotation, you know, because yeah. I made those pipes for my friends uh, in the office and I made uh, these pipes that I uh, sold to friends for profit and uh, I was able to buy more material. So I agreed to that and uh, yeah, it's slightly grew, you know. My father, yeah. <laughs> he's working. He was working. He's now retired. He was working in the same company where I am working, but he was only working on projects. But at his um, spare time, or let's say a second job, he was having a registered workshop for repairing pianos, you know, and tuning oh, wow. pianos and stuff like that. But at that time. Uh, we were playing with the idea that I will maybe continue that job after he is not able to do it or something. Yeah. So he was teaching me to do that. And uh, the work was kind of scarce. You, he, could be, um, he could cover everything and I didn't have much to do along his side. So I needed something to, to help my family to, you know, go through because I'm the single one working yeah. uh, in the family. My my wife was not working at that time. So the idea of pipe making slowly grew on me. You know, I was using pipes here and then. And, and I always say that I'm not a crazy pipe smoker that needs uh, like 10 bowls of, uh, per day. I smoke when I feel the need that I have to make a time for myself. Now, mm -hmm. That's kind of a pipe per day, maybe a pipe in two days. I'm not a crazy pipe smoker, but still, I was using pipes. And um, the idea of making a pipe for some profit or even something that can help my family really came really, really slowly. You know, <laughs> I needed like yeah. three years to start a registered workshop uh, when that let's say business at that time grew enough that I could say, okay, I can uh, start, I have to start paying taxes and everything and, and register this because it's growing, you know? So that's basically how it started. So it, it, it's kind of by accident, but 
you're very happy and you enjoy the time in the workshop. Oh, yeah. And also at that time, you know, I didn't uh, have uh, the idea of going to pipe shows or anything. I didn't have that in my mind either because it's a lot of money. You need to sit in the airplane and go to, to Chicago or somewhere. So yeah. I didn't want to do it. And Neil Young was pushing me. You should do it. You should do it. You know, and as I said, you know, uh, uh, Facebook did a lot of work for me because I had the opportunity to talk with the big dogs in yeah. the business, you know, like, for example, Gregor Lobnik, I met Domagoj Telishman from Croatia uh, at, at Facebook, Neil Yarm, you know, other guys. That's basically how I uh, started to, to negotiate to go to Denmark to visit uh, like Manduela and Joao Ries and, you know, Facebook did a lot of work. Yeah. So, yeah, and Neil Yarm was the, the turning the guy that made me, you know, you should go to at least Chicago pipe show. So, yeah, I did that. Is there a style of pipe that you prefer to make? Um, yeah, because uh, you could probably guess by now, I started everything from scratch. Yeah. Uh, my father has a workshop, but he didn't have a precise lathe. So I was using a lathe that actually he made for turning uh, legs of the tables. So it was not a precise one, but it was good enough to pre-shape the stems that I can, can uh, further shape uh, using hands, files, sending paper and stuff like that uh, to make them precise, you know. So, yeah, I mostly prefer free hands. I don't like to turn pipes. But um, after I finished a uh, trip to J Denmark in January this year, I started to move in between free hands and pipes that are uh, pre-shaped on lathe simply because uh, it's not easier for me. It's a lot more precise. Right. So uh, if you want to make a bulldog, uh, it's not, it is for some it is the easiest way to turn it uh for me it's a if i can say it it's really a pain in the ass to do it because <laughs> oh, man uh, i would be faster with hand but you know i like challenge and uh this if you have to make a really good bulldog which is from me for me uh from classical shapes maybe the the worst kind because uh, you have a diamond shank, uh, or if if you if you um, change it to have uh, not just four sides to six sides, and you have a you you simply need to do it really really precisely. So it's a challenge. So I like challenges, you know. And now I'm turning more towards the, that kind of pipe making simply because it is harder for me to do it. And I like to do it, to do stuff that is harder. I don't like to go on an easier route all the time. <laughs> I need challenge, you know. And it makes me happy. I figured that I, the shape that I don't like the most is probably the billiard. Because it's so simple. But the billiard is probably the hardest shape to make. At least for me. So I figured, yeah, I should better make some billiards, not because I like them, but because they are hard for me, you know? So, yeah. It's a very simple shape, but yet if it's very easy to make a mistake on it. Yeah, exactly. You don't have much room to play there. If you make a free freehand pipe, you can always, you know, cut the corner here, cut the corner there, reshape it, but with billiards, <laughs> you don't have much room. Yeah, yeah, forget it. You 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 got one mistake and then you're done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially if you go really thin. And I like pencil shanks and uh, pipes that are really really light. That, that that's where I'm flipping crazy when when Joao is is showing me a pipe that is so thin, so delicate. I'm like jumping 2 meters high, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and of course, it's always fun to go and work with other pipe makers and see how they do their craft and see their pipes up close. 
Oh yeah. Well, but, but it, when I was visiting Joao, most of the time we were talking because I'm like a parrot and he's like a parrot. So <laughs> <laughs> we were talking most of the time and Kai was also uh, making fun of us. Have you made any pipes today? <laughs> we were like, no, we were talking. So yeah, but uh, we did a lot of work. We did. <laughs> so now, yeah. We're having too much fun. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, when you go to when you come to Chicago to the pipe show, you know obviously you want to come and sell pipes. But do you spend a lot of time looking at other pipe makers' pipes and and seeing what they're doing? Um, I, I came for two years. This year, I unfortunately I will not be able to come for several reasons. We can go into it maybe a little bit later if you like. But um, uh, my f uh, I thought that. I need to go to Chicago because I need to make a, a better foundation for what I do to um, show people what I'm making, you know. But the thing is, uh, I figured this year, because I will not be able to go, uh, every time, you know, when something pops in my mind or when I found uh, find a, um, a note from a previous uh, Chicago pipe show, like... Uh, today I found a little invitation for Arango cigars, a suite, uh, like a welcoming suite. Yeah. And I was like, man, I cannot come. You know, it it, yeah. it really. I did. I was not aware that actually it those guys over there, and the feeling and and uh, energy and everything grew on me that hard. It's really a tough time, you know. I was. Yeah. Behind me, I was really thinking to get alone to go to Chicago, and I know it's insane, but it's really hard. You know, it's yeah. really hard. I have the same problem this year because my daughter is graduating from university on that Friday. So, yeah, I will, I will, uh, I will be missing some time in Chicago. Oh yeah, the, the, uh, as I said, uh, it's really hard. Uh, all around me, there are pieces, you know, from from China Pipe Show, from Chicago Pipe Show, and uh, I put everything in my backpack. And usually, I don't empty my bag. I'm I'm like a girl, you know, having a lot of stuff inside. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many pipes I have in my backpack because I'm smoking probably only one per day. So, but I have too many, <laughs> you know. But it's everything in there, and and people are making fun of me. I don't need a backpack deck that big yes i do you know <laughs> i have a lot of <laughs> memories inside so yeah uh, uh what is in in croatia are you allowed to smoke a pipe in a pub or in a bar or do you have to smoke outside only um it depends uh you have a co coffee bars or pubs where you can smoke through all the bar it, it it doesn't matter it's a smoking bar you know so you can drink relax whatever but uh, there is um, uh, a law where uh, you have actually a need to separate uh, a part of the bar where you have non-smokers from guys that are smoking so there are some bars that have a separate part of the bar uh, where you smoke and that's a closed one with a good ventilation and everything. But there are also, as I said, bars where you smoke through the whole bar and you have to need uh, uh, to have a note uh, when you're entering the bar that it's a smoking bar. So, you know, it's your choice if you enter or not. Yeah. Daniel, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe, uh, uh, the one that I have in my backpack, and I have several. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, right now, I'm smoking my pipes, and I'm smoking Missouri Meerschaum, one Eaton that I really like, and uh, I'm really, really happy with the discarded pipe that Joe Reese gave me. <laughs> so let's say those three types. So Missouri Meerschaum, Eaton. Jaris, uh discarded one, and my pipes that I have in a backpack. And what is your favorite tobacco? Also, the one that I have open <laughs> in my backpack. 
because <laughs> I'm using it, you know, that's the favorite one at the time. So now I'm using uh, Orlik Golden Sliced. And uh, just recently I opened the uh, HU Tobacco Ausdem Crater mixture number four, I think. So those two I'm, I'm using now. Um, yeah, maybe the best I, I can remember from, from these years I'm use, I was using um, pipes, it would be probably McClelland, uh, of course, full, full dark English. Uh, yeah. I think it's mixture 5110 yeah. in a bulk. Oh, it's what it, it it's like a chamomile tea for me, you know. <laughs> that one. And what is your favorite drink? Coffee, definitely. Is... And when I'm in, in Chicago, uh, it would be orange juice. Yeah, uh, coffee. Uh, I like to drink uh, Turkish coffee uh, with a little bit of milk. Oh. So, all the time. Oh, that know. sounds good. Oh um, yeah. When it is time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, usually, I don't have time for movies, so listening music would be a better choice for me. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking-related memory that we did not talk about? Uh, when, you, when you said that, uh, well, there was a, um, a last last Chicago pipe show there was um, uh, the last day of the show uh, of course everybody was pretty much drunk yeah. show was done yeah. yeah and I was sitting at the table with Grant Batson and uh, Steve Morissetti <laughs> and they were like drinking that stuff uh, I think it was called the black Russian <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but it was a lot of fun I, I always looked upon Grant Batson as a kind of a serious guy but he learned a few things uh, he learned me, uh, made me learn a few things about how to raise uh, goals, you know, because I have a goal. I will be soon pretty much in his position, so I was seriously considering his methods. Yeah, and Steve Rinsetti, <laughs> oh, you know him. He he is always looking like straight and and perfectly uh, wearing everything on him that that's matched and everything. You know, he he's a gentleman type of guy. But he was so much fun, you know, at that, at that night, he was so much fun. And that, that's really a good memory. Where can we go to see your pipes and buy your pipes? Um, usually you can contact me directly and uh, you can, uh, yeah, you can check my work on my, my homepage. It's not updated, unfortunately, because I'm rather making pipes than updating my, my homepage, which is maybe a mistake, but... Uh, you can find my contact info over there and, and contact me directly or over Facebook or Instagram. I also have a, a dealer in, in USA. It's called TobaccoPipes.com. Yeah. Uh, in China, I have a dealer. I never remember his name uh, <laughs> of, the, of the shop. So please don't quote me. I think that I have a working, uh, working link on my homepage uh, for that guy. And um, yeah, you can find me in Argentina. Uh, but that's a closed market sort of in Vietnam. It's also a closed market. Yeah. Mostly I'm selling through through direct sales. That That's most what I do. On Instagram, it is at ndpipes. And uh, the website is ndtobaccopipes or Daniel Moustron. Daniel. Yeah, you can Google, but it's uh, TND, yeah. TND, yeah. Yeah. Daniel, thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for joining me and uh somewhere down the road we'll I'll I'll see you and we'll have a uh, we'll have a good Turkish coffee together. Uh, I can I'm counting on that. <laughs> May yeah. not be at, at the Chicago Pipe Show, but <laughs> yeah, cuz yeah. there's no good coffee there unless you go to Coffee Dave's room. Okay, that's a thought. So I have secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I can bet on that. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for thanks again for joining us. Thank you for this good conversation. And we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. 
For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. I highly suggest you take a look at Daniel's pipes. Uh, you know, I think he might be one of those guys we could get him uh, before the prices go up. And I guarantee you he's not using kitchen parts anymore. Uh, anyway, for music, we go on to uh, a suggestion from Fletch, who emailed me about a guy named Willie Watson, who on the cover of uh, one of his albums is shown smoking a, uh, a big bent pipe. And uh, he was also uh, on the soundtrack of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which uh, did fairly well in the uh, at the Oscars. Anyway, uh, this one is uh, his version of Midnight Special, and it's Willie Watson. Yonder come Miss Rosie. How in the world do you know? Knows about your apron and the dress she wore, umbrella on her shoulder, a piece of paper in her hand. Well, she gone to see the governor, a turn loose of my man, let the midnight special shine his light on. up in the morning when that big bell rings you go march it to the table and it's the same damn thing knives and forks are on the table ain't nothing in my pan you say anything about it with the man let the midnight special shine its light on me let the midnight special shine its ever loving light on me well jumping little judy she was a mighty fine gal now judy brought Let the midnight 
shine light on me. That is a contemporary folk artist, Willie Watson, tours a lot. Check him out at williewatson.com. Uh, it was recorded with some, uh, with some really well-known people. Talented guy. And uh, you can find a lot of his music on Spotify. You got mail. 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 And a quick mailbag and reminder, uh, this weekend on the 6th is the Raleigh show, the Triangle Area Pipe Smokers show at the uh, at the State of North Carolina Fairgrounds. Sorry, I will miss you guys, but hope you all have fun. And uh, going back to last week with Chance Whittemore, Ira, the writing rabbi, says, What a great show. Jeff was informative and entertaining as usual, and Chance Whittemore was simply an inspiration. I'd not seen his eBay shop before, but will definitely be looking. The music was surprisingly enjoyable, not usually my style. Ah, well, Chicago fell through for me again this year, maybe someday. Hope to see you there. Um, In other news, I will be there. I'll be there for about uh, 44 hours starting Saturday around noon. And uh, Casey Ghost says, a really good show. Chance was a real delight. His very varied career on his way to selling estate pipes was was quite impressive. Hopefully he'll be able to reach retirement before the tobacco Nazis drive him out of business. Being a foster parent isn't for me, but you got to respect those that step up to the plate for the kids in need. And yes, you do. And again, if you have a comment, you can post it right there on PipesMagazine.com on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And I appreciate them all. And in just a moment, oh boy, here comes a rant. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This rant may be broken up into three or four different parts, and I may warn you right now, there may be some insensitive ideas, innuendos, insinuated things, and possibly some downright dirty words. Because this past week, the Walt Disney Company announced that all of their parks and uh, and stuff are going to be smoke-free. So you won't be able to smoke in the parks. They're going to put smoking areas outside of the secured areas of the parks. Now, this is not the point of this rant. I posted that on my Facebook page, I posted it on my Instagram page, and I posted it on Twitter. Now, I have a little bit over 3,000 or so friends on Facebook, about seven, 800 followers on Instagram, and about 120 on Twitter. In particular, what I said was I'm not happy, and this is going to change the way I go to Disney World, and I probably won't go back, because I really liked sitting and smoking my pipe in the smoking areas a couple times a day. Now. Here's what happened. The antis unloaded on me to the point where that tweet, as of the time of recording this, has over 120,000 impressions. That means 120,000 people have seen my tweet, uh, about 125 comments, 75 likes, and some of the comments, the comments from the antis, and this is from Disney fanatic antis, were one, stupid, Two, physically impossible for me to do to myself. And three, poorly written. Pick one of those three. It was any of those were, were exactly what they said. Uh, and the other thing that shocked me was how people don't understand uh, secondhand smoke. Just the smell of smoke apparently causes permanent cancer in people. The smoking areas were all off to the side, and if you walk near it and you smelled the smoke, you might be near it for a minute. Well, apparently we have an entire, an entire population of delicate, fragile, pansy-ass people that can't smell smoke because they're going to get cancer from it. 
And we have Disney fanatics that use words that I wouldn't use in public. Well, maybe I would, but I definitely wouldn't write them down. Anyway, if you want to see what they wrote, go to uh, my Twitter page. It's Brian Levine or at On My Own Opinion and take a look at it. These people are hilarious. No, don't go posting on it. Don't go feeding the fire. Just leave it alone and let the uh, let the delicate, fragile people um, think that uh, physically impossible things are possible to do. More on that rant coming up in future shows, I'm sure. All right. I want to thank uh, Daniel for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the and if you see a sign that says peep show that doesn't mean that they're letting you look at presents before christmas